You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. We got some great news over the weekend. Javier Malay is the first anarcho-capitalist Austrian economist ever elected to high office. That's fantastic news. So Austin Peterson invited me on to talk a little bit about that, as well as some foreign policy stuff. And check out his show. It is the Wake Up America show on Rumble, Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. Central. Austin's a longtime friend, and I always appreciate when he has me on, so check that out. I don't follow a priest. I follow my rabbi. I learned Torah, he says. I'm internationally known as a friend of Israel, and as someone who learns Torah, I'm almost Jewish. So he's not a Jew. He's Jewish. Very funny. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Wake Up America show. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. We're glad and grateful to have you here. Thank you very much to Rumble.com for featuring us on the front page today. 1,400 people watching. That's insane. What are you trying to do? Make me a success here? Are you trying to make libertarians all over the world successful? Javier Malay wins in Argentina. Austin Peterson wins in the United States. God bless America. <laughs> I want libertarians to win, and so does my next guest, Chris Spangle. He's joining us live right now. He was the founder of We Are Libertarians, and he's the host of The Chris Spangle Show, and he's a very prolific podcaster as well. Good morning, Chris. Hey, AP. Thanks for having me. Hey, all right. Your reaction to the first anarcho-capitalist libertarian president ever in history? So I was talking to my wife before I came on, and she and I are very alike politically, which is partly why... Our marriage works so well. And she said, you know, I'm partly over the moon, over the top excited, and also very scared. <laughs> and I, I guess that kind of sums it up for me because uh, I love seeing our ideas win. This is obviously the biggest victory, I think, that an ANCAP in, has ever had in history. Uh, and I think that it's great to see somebody who is a pure libertarian, not, you know, the most libertarian president we ever had in Donald Trump was nonsense. This guy is a true believer, reads Rothbard, reads Hayek, you know, is a libertarian economist. He is uh, somebody that understands our ideas inside and out, has been very active in the libertarian movement in Argentina for over a decade. Um, this guy's the real deal. So it's very exciting to see somebody who has a philosophical foundation like ours win. But as a libertarian for 20 years, I think you know, I don't know many normal ANCAPs. <laughs> and and I see these clips of him and I go, there's, what's what's up with this guy? Uh, and then, you know, his vice president is basically uh, a borderline fascist, so, and isn't a true believer in the ideas. So there there's things that kind of make me nervous, but, you know, you've got to, you can't, you got to throw caution to the wind sometimes, right? When you're at 124% inflation. Well, yes, for sure, right? And he's talked about things. I mean, he he may call himself an anarchist, but he's an anarchist in the streets, a minarchist in the sheets <laughs> because because he wants to dollarize the economy. He wants to bring American investment down into Argentina. He wants to prevent the uh, central banks from taking hold down there. And, and he wants to uh, essentially allow people uh, in the United States to invest there and to bring lift up the poor and poverty, which we've seen what's happened to the peso. If you've seen anything at all about the Argentinian economy, they're in the dumpster. And this is something that that's a practical step that might actually take them to the next level. But speaking of borderline fascists, actual fascists here in the United States are very upset. One, 
because he wants to dollarize their economy. Two, because he's very pro-Israel and says that he wants to become a Jew. Um, based in Red Pilled, uh, Chris, he's basically my kind of libertarian. I mean, I'm not a Jew, but I do love seeing Nazis and fascists get very angry about that because it's quite entertaining to me and quite hilarious. So, I, And I also saw that some, like, quote-unquote, anarcho-capitalists were saying, well, he's not perfect. Well, of course, like, right? He, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had a guest You're on. Right. I had a guest on in late October to kind of explain who this guy was. He's an Argentinian libertarian. I wish I had his name off the top of my head here, um, but he was a great guest, and he he's down there, and he said he had been blocked by Javier Malay uh, about a month before the interview. So he's a true libertarian. If he's blocking other libertarians, uh, that's just how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know if you want to keep on Millet or, or talk about the reaction, but I, I guess I've never been more disturbed at, uh, I, I guess I don't understand, uh, you know, uh, what do you think America was doing in Fallujah, for instance, right? But you didn't see the world's streets and our streets light on fire saying, all Americans must die, and American preschools overseas had to have full-time guards uh, the anti-Semitism and the reaction to anything Jewish at this point is extremely disturbing. And, you know, I've had people in my audience say, you know, we have our kids going to a daycare and we have armed security. Do you think we should continue that? And I am the least, I'm one of the most optimistic people you'll ever see. And I'm I'm like, eh, it's not as bad as you think. And in this case, I was like, no, you got to keep that security on until this is out of the news at the very least. It's It's very frightening right now. Yeah, it's been wild ever since the October 7th attack. I, I have been sort of chronicling for years. I've been uh, um, talking about the uh, the sort of uh, dark underbelly uh, of the liberty movement that for some time has sort of flirted with fascism. We did see uh, uh, a number of years ago, there was this, uh, I forget his name, uh, I think, oh yeah, Christopher Cantwell, Right, who was like a prominent libertarian activist in New Hampshire liberty circles for a time, uh, and then he became like a libertarian activist, and then all of a sudden he's the crying Nazi of New Hampshire, and then he turns into a federal informant. Because there is this flirtation with fascism, and as you say, I don't know anything about Javier Millet's vice presidential pick, right? But there is this sort of flirtation with fascism that happens on the fringes uh, of the libertarian movement where you'll see people like Cantwell pop up, get a following, and then, you know, suddenly, you know, suddenly they turn the, into Yeah, there's feds. two two entrances there, right? There is the anti-war wing, which from both the left and the right, you know, I was involved, uh, I got invited to be a part of this group probably four or five years ago, and uh, it was a lot of activists uh, who were progressive activists and it was very clear that this is a bad group to be in. <laughs> now, one of those groups that if your name's on the roll and you run for office, you're going to be in trouble because it was clearly a very pro-Palestine, anti-Israel, at all costs, no matter what type group. And they were all more progressives. But then, you know, on the right, obviously, it's it's not as much the anti-war stance that kind of brings anti-Semites into libertarianism. It's in the Fed. It's really the... The rehashed versions of the Elders of the Protocols of Zion that were basically designed by the Russian secret security in the late 1800s, early 1900s as a way to discredit liberals in Russia who were trying to liberalize the Russian economy, liberalize Russian society, and Jews were at the forefront of that in Russia. And so during the time of what you see in Fiddler on the Roof, you had a lot of pogroms. 
and the uh, czar was not necessarily for Nicholas II, and he his uh, his monarchist advisors basically concocted the Elders of the Protocols of Zion, which was this adaptation of a French um, conversation with Satan, basically. And the Elders of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion is this fictional document that talks about the world Jewish conspiracy and how they're using liberalism to take over. And it was obviously popularized by Henry Ford here in America. Later, he regretted it. It was popularized by um, the Nazis. And, Uncle Hitler. <laughs> and, and which was then pushed into Muslim society. History Impossible mm-hmm. is this great history podcast that has kind of a great series on that. And... What it basically says is that Jews Jews run the world, they control everything, you can't trust them, look at their behavior, they're awful, and it is the foundation upon which all of these other conspiracy theories, this top-down mentality that so much of the libertarian movement has is that they're controlling you. How often do you see a tweet in the liber- from a libertarian and you go, but who's they? Right. Let's dig back to who's there. Right. Right. It's always it, not all anti-Zionists are anti-Semites, <laughs> but all anti-Semites are anti-Zionists. Yeah. And for a long time, that's what they would always say: is they'd say they wouldn't call him a Jew. They would say anti. They would say Zionist. He's a Zionist. He's, right. He's a he's a Zionist. But we knew what they really meant. Chris, real quick, let me reset for those who might just be tuning in, wondering who the hell these guys are. When we've got one thousand five hundred people watching us live. They may be like, who are these guys and what the hell are they talking about? Good morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. I'm speaking to Chris Spangle. He's the host of the Chris Spangle Show and founder of the We Are Libertarians podcast. We're talking about the election of Javier Malay in Argentina and some of the intimate details surrounding the libertarian movement, not just in Argentina, but here in the United States. So then, Chris, would you say that when you saw that Javier was out there you know, celebrating um, uh, Israel and their right to self-defense. Did that give you like a glimmer of hope that that essentially that he's rejected some the like the darker side of the movement it, it, to some to some sense? I don't know. I mean, he's running around with chainsaws, screaming the c word on TV. Like, I, there's there's plenty here that gives that's me awesome. pause. Yeah, I that's know. Awesome. I know you think it's awesome, but like at a certain that's been the big debate in Argentina is it, it, why are we electing a guy that cusses? Right. So it's very similar to what we have oh, here, which on. is, you know, uh, the the New Hampshire tweets. Right. Like, is this the appropriate way to get attention? The reality about if Javier, if you're cursing in Spanish, does it really count? No, no. I mean, is <laughs> bonus hole. points if you have a sandal in your hand, uh, chancla. But <laughs> chancla. But yeah, the the reality is Javier Malay is not just getting attention because he curses and calls leftists the c word. He worked for a major um, media mogul, basically the an Argentinian version of Rupert Murdoch, and he's been on television for – he was their chief economist. He was then the TV network's chief economist. He started out as a monitorist and a big uh, Friedman guy and then became an Austrian economist. And so he's a guy who not only has the backing of the people he says he's going to end their power, right? He has the power of the media behind him. He has a very dialed-in view of what works in terms of getting media attention. This guy has real chops, right? He's. But you say that like it's a bad thing. No, I'm not saying it's a bad thing necessarily. I think it's something that we all need to be aware of. Like if you're looking at it going, I'm just going to run for office and scream the C word and people will elect me. You also have to have a bunch of money and a bunch of experience 
experience behind you. And uh, you, it's not so just the flash is, so that got him American, the attention. Right. So you're saying American libertarians need to also have the chops behind them and not just think, oh, I can get a chainsaw and say bad words on TV and I'm going to get elected, you know, a right. congressman here. This guy has been going and networking and building a huge network of people for over a decade in Argentina. He's been going to groups on the right, on the left, all around trying to build a coalition and so it's not the flash necessarily that got him the attention that kind of brought in people in the election, but he had a huge base of support. And you do that by being a normal person, networking and reading Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. I love it. I, I, I mean, you're right. He's got the chops. He's got an uh, economics degree. He understands the principles. He's got the bona fides. He is uh, uh, great on TV. He's interesting. He's a character. He's entertaining. He does say bad words. Maybe that's not the best, but it definitely worked out for him. I mean, South America is not the same as North America. They like different things down in Argentina than they would prefer here in the United States. And I know you're not the biggest Donald Trump fan, but I will say that in 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 Trump's defense that uh, Donald Trump has a lot of those same showman qualities that helped him to win the election. Do you think that it's possible Donald Trump could be reelected next year? All the polls and all everything that we're seeing right now seems to show that's a real possibility, Chris. Uh, yeah, so uh, the malinformed New York Times is saying he's the new Donald Trump, and he's, you know, this is the smear, right, for people who don't know any better, and they're just kind of paying attention. Like, this guy actually has a philosophy undergirding him, uh, you know, and I think it does scare people in South America because anytime you get uh, such strong language, they've actually had military dictatorships in our parents' lifetime, including in Argentina in the late 70s, early 80s. You know, so it does frighten people in a way that it probably doesn't frighten us here. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. I don't think he, he has Pinochet vibes. But, you know, when you see the American media calling him the new Donald Trump, they don't really know what they're talking about because Donald Trump doesn't fundamentally have any kind of philosophy. Donald Trump is just tapping into anger. He's tapping into discontent. And that is part of what Javier Malay did as his shtick. I think it's shtick, right? He could actually be, you know, this angry and waving chainsaws. But as a media figure, it's like, I don't I don't know that I buy that, right? I'm a little suspicious of being a libertarian and a media member. I don't trust us. Uh, but, you know, the difference between the two is Javier Malay tapped into that anger, tapped into like we're at like, what, 10 percent inflation. They're at 124, 130 percent inflation. They're not on hyperinflation yet, but they have every right to be extremely angry. At, and if you look at the map of Buenos Aires that The New York Times had on their website, for instance, it's the poor sections of Buenos Aires and the rural sections of Buenos Aires. And then the suburban sections were all for his opponent. Who was the guy who has crafted the economic collapse? So no surprise that he didn't win. Uh, but, you know, I think when you look at Donald Trump, Donald Trump doesn't have a guiding philosophy. So if he gets into office a second time, it's going to be nothing but his pure vengeance. It's not going to be about you and me. It's not going to be protecting the average guy. And they wave this magic wand and say, well, this will happen to you if you're ever in power. And it won't because you're a normal person who doesn't act this way. You haven't been sued 4,000 times by people because you're not a maniac. Um, but I think when you look at people's economic discontent, it is the most powerful motivator when people go into the ballot box to vote. And when you look at 
Joe Biden's economic record, there isn't anyone looking around except for Paul Krugman going, things are really good right now. You know, uh, the staples that I buy are eight times, and I'm sure glad Donald Trump isn't president, because I think the, the right and Donald Trump himself have done a good job of kind of making people forget and disappearing the reality of his record, which is that the man initiated the lockdowns. He's the one who put Fauci on the podium. Podium. He's the one who hired the FDA and, and uh, 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 CDC's directors. He's the one who gave cover to Republican governors to shut down. He's the one who wrote three of the stimulus bills and passed two. He was the one that was mad at Nancy Pelosi for not having a bigger stimulus bill and wanted it to be bigger, and she said no. He is the root of our discontent. And oh, Joe Biden has already dead. Joe Biden <laughs> has not helped this. You know, he passed the stimulus bill. Uh, inflation was caused by the infrastructure bill. Like, there's no doubt that Joe Biden has absolutely no positive record to run on when it comes to economics. But neither does Donald Trump. And Chris, it's I it's I appreciate I appreciate that while you may go pee pee in our Coke, at least it's that uh, pee pee filled Coke that you're handing us and not Kool Aid. You are no <laughs> Kool Aid drinker, sure. No, that is for sure. Chris, do us a favor and plug where people can find you and learn more about you and your excellent work as the host of the We uh, We Are Libertarians and Chris Spangle Show. Yeah, check out the We Are Libertarians podcast network. We have all kinds of different shows: Brian Nichols Show, Boss Log- Hog of Liberty. Uh, Liberty Explained, The Chris Spangle Show. You can follow us on Rumble. We just did an episode on the Nashville Manifesto. You can go check that out on Rumble exclusively because there's no way that was going to make it on YouTube. And you can find all my projects on chris-spangle.com. And guess what, Austin? I'm on BET every Wednesday night at 10 p.m. And as part of Miss Pat Settles It. So uh, check out A Libertarian on BET, please. That's actually kind of awesome, Chris. We'll definitely do that. We'll check that out. Hey, thanks for getting up so early and being so generous with your time and, you know, for, for the pee-pee-filled Coke. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, somebody's got to tell you the truth. It's true. We appreciate that. Appreciate that very much, Chris. Have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Keep thanks, up the good Austin. work.